Well, hello there and welcome back to the show. You know, I love waking up in the morning, walking down the hall and seeing everything neatly in its place in my dreams. Now, seriously, as much as I'd love life to be neat and tidy, ADHD is anything but. It's complex and the treatment of it is as unique as a thumbprint and it often changes day to day, sometimes minute to minute. Now, during this episode of the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast, What Now ADHD founder Veronica Hunter and I talk about using the lens of curiosity to support our ADHD kids accepting our kids and ourselves for who we are and listening to our intuition even when it goes against the norm. We talk about determining where our ADHD kids need the most body brain support, helping them grow specific skills based on what we learn, and the importance of co-regulated relationships. Now, as an R&D battery scientist, Veronica Hunter learned to look deeply to understand what is really going on. She has applied this over the past five years as a mom to a child with an ADHD diagnosis. However, she found that the journey to what matters most was not clear, and it was filled with overwhelm, uncertainty, emotional turmoil, and unanswered questions. Then she saw a mom post on Facebook, my child was diagnosed with ADHD, what now? The answer from other parents was, start your research. Veronica knew we needed a better answer. Now she is the founder of ADHD, what now? You can find her at whatnowadhd.com, and she helps parents make their unique ADHD action plan for their child and then dive deep into how to support their unique neurodiverse kids and enjoy and, and enjoy the journey along the way. Now, before we dig in, I wanted to share a word from our sponsor. We have to manage our own emotions before we can make wise decisions for our ADHD kiddos. That's why I depend on experts like nervous system educator, Krista Bevan. Krista has created a truly brilliant course to help moms like me and you regulate our nervous systems that tend to run on overdrive with ADHD. If you know you need some help in the emotional regulation area, that's an executive function that is often challenging for ADHDers. Check out her foundations course. It's designed for what she calls cycle breaker moms, but the content is brilliant for ADHD moms too. It has honestly been a game changer in my own life. Now I'm a course participant and I love the way Krista teaches in a way that my ADHD mind can understand, along with easy steps to implement what I'm learning into my everyday life. You can find all the deets at bit.ly forward slash VDM dash radical mother dash foundations, or find, find, find the link in the show notes, show notes, easy for me to say. And just so you know, I only recommend and allow sponsors that I have personal experience with and Krista and her courses are the real deal. So check out the course and enjoy the show. And you're listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast with Tracy Nolan Bierman, where we believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories, as well as invaluable tips, tools, and practices for managing overwhelm and using your beautiful, unique mind as a superpower. Motherhood with ADHD is the journey of a lifetime. Let's enjoy the ride together. Well, hey, Veronica, welcome. And I am so excited to have you here on the show today. 
It is a real pleasure. And I love speaking with people that just understand. And especially um, when we were just talking a little bit about the internal dialogue and the emotions yeah. of behind it all and the struggles. And so I know that you bring a lot of that to highlight and I just appreciate the work that you do. So thank you yeah. for having me. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? And I know that um, I, as we talked a little bit before, and I know a little bit of your background, I am fascinated with what you have created. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about how you got to be doing what you're doing right now? Absolutely. It, I think for many people, a journey like this starts with their own struggles, right? Oh, and yeah, then having right. to solve, to figure out this just desire to get to kind of the root of understanding it and what can mm -hmm. I do to help with the struggle. So my kiddo was diagnosed with ADHD at age five. And at age five, we were, went to a pediatrician and they said at the end of the appointment, after he was touching everything and jumping on the scale, and I'm worried, am I going to have to pay? How much does one of these scales cost anyway? <laughs> Um, but common the, thoughts of, the, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> uh, um, the pediatrician said, you have one of the more difficult children that I've interacted with, That's which lovely. means a lot because she's been in practice for 20 to 30 years or, you know, a long time she was, so <sighs> it was just, it was hard. And, mm -hmm. and of course, of all this typical things, I want him to be successful. I'm worried about him going to kindergarten. Can he sit on the dot? Is he going to get in trouble? Uh, it, he's a great little kid. Is it what's going to happen to his self-esteem? Is it going to go down? And I'm not the parent that I want to be and all of those types of things. So two mm -hmm. years later, um, we were essentially in the same boat. Mm. At a psychologist's office, I told all the things I tried. I came into tears uh, because I was working so hard, but feeling like I'm not making any progress. Yeah. So two years after that, we had made some good progress. And I saw a mom post on a Facebook group, my child has ADHD. What do I do now? Mm -hmm. And the answer was start your research. And my thought was, oh. that is too much. It's just, it's not a good answer. And we can have a better answer mm -hmm. for this person just starting off on the journey because taking four years to figure it out is too long. It's too yeah. much on your emotional um, system, on your executive functions, on the stress mm -hmm. in your family when you just want progress for yourself and your kid. Right. So that was behind ADHD, what now? So I ran an event, a summit interviewing 10, 20 different experts. And the goal was to kind of get deep into what could be going on for ADHD. What do you do to help using what I had learned over that, those four years? And I found some things that were really meaningful and solved some of the last problems for our family. For example, my kiddo was, was it was COVID times and he was running and watching television mm -hmm. instead of engaging in the schoolwork. Right. And it was a perpetual surprise right? <laughs> that we were having. <laughs> right. But as a result of running that conference, one of the things that one of the doctors on had said was to look at what's called the um, Walsh Protocol. So we did the Walsh Protocol for my kiddo and identified that he has a pyrrole disorder, which effectively mm -hmm. means that the body is using B vitamins to excrete all the pyrroles. So there's no B oh. vitamins left to become the neurotrans as building blocks for neurotransmitters in the brain. So if this is the case for somebody, because each body is um, totally unique, mm -hmm. but if this is the case for somebody, then generally speaking, after two weeks of supplementation, a right supplementation protocol, there's a significant difference. And that's what we saw after two weeks of just wow. taking vitamin supplements, because that was what his body was missing. Right. He was starting to self-initiate schoolwork. 
Mm. And so when you can find those things that take that like irrational part, completely irrational, jumpy, jittery, driven by a motor part and reduce that, it makes life much easier, right? Right. So that's part of the mission then behind ADHD What Now is to help people find those things that can then like eliminate these roadblocks that we can have power or control over removing for, for kids success right. and for our own success too. Because again, like th that genetic component, it makes sense because then I understood that for myself as well. And yeah. that that's part of my, my system that needs support. Right. Right. I really love that. And who would the Walsh protocol? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, unless you are digging, digging and who has the, when you're dealing with a child and you're just trying to help them and they're bouncing off the walls, like who has the time to go and, and Google and find this one little thing that might possibly help. Right. Right. So, right. So after that event, then what I did was I sat back and looked at the 20, the 20 plus interviews and said, how can I put that together in one graphic to kind of explain, mm. um, this picture that came out of that event and all those interviews. And so right. really part of it is understanding the unique child before you or the new unique human body before you. And then the yeah. other part is, and once you get that, then you can customize the support for them. Well, and that's exactly it, right? I mean, we're all, we're all as human beings, we're all unique as it is. And then you add ADHD, which has all of these other facets, you know, so you've got a unique individual to begin with, and then you've got ADHD, which, which presents differently in every single different, every single person. Yeah. Right. So the number, but, but I love too, that, you know, we're just, we're, you know, sometimes people, people ask like, you know, how do you do it? How have you, how have you been doing it the past couple of years? Well, like, how do I not do it? <laughs> how do we not do it? We just have to keep plugging along and knowing that, you know, that hopefully we're going to find something that's going to work for our kids. But as we progress, we, we can find things that maybe we can pass along to other people who are struggling, you know, or mm -hmm. who are in the same boat. And so I absolutely love, I love that ADHD. What now? I mean, right. Because <laughs> what now, what do we do now? Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and, um, and, you know, you can get the diagnosis, right? You get the, get your kid diagnosed. And then you could very easily just go to your pediatrician and have them prescribe Ritalin or Adderall or something, you know, cause they do, you know, and I've talked to, I've talked to plenty of, um, plenty of moms who have done that, but first of all, that's not the that's not the magic pill. Like there's no magic pill period. You know, like we were talking about like, like diabetes, diabetics take insulin and that helps with the sugar and then with the diet, right? It, it's not that way. And is that, that's not necessarily the first step, you know, like mm -hmm. who would have, who would have thought the Walsh protocol, you know, I can't remember what, um, what now this is, this is years ago when my son was, um, well, I knew right out of the gate that there was something different about my child, right? My first child, right? Immediately. And, um, and so when he was about 18 months old, I had him, um, 
I, and I was a preschool teacher before I had my kids. So I kind of had a little bit of a little bit of background, you know, um, that's actually helpful, right? Because if this is, if this is all you're familiar with, it feels even harder. I feel like, right. Especially when you're looking at the, the all of the, you know, all of the other babies and all of the, the other kids who could go to target and who could go to birthday parties, <laughs> we couldn't do those things, but yeah. we did, I found this OD, OT that we did this. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a brushing technique for, mm -hmm. um, for sensory integration. Within two weeks, he was running, jumping, talking, doing fine motor things that he had not been doing. It was amazing, right? Luckily, I didn't happen to find this one OT who did this, who um, introduced me to the protocol, but it's not always that way, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and as well as, and I, I, I'm spinning a little bit here, but I'm thinking about, okay, so, you know, my kid has ADHD, we'll take him to a therapist, but there are a gazillion different types of therapists. And a lot of them do not know ADHD and they don't know, you know, like they might go first go to, um, to uh, an antidepressant or something like that. I'm one of those people who uh, 20 years ago when I was diagnosed with ADHD, five years before that, I was diagnosed with bipolar. So they put me on and, and uh, clinical depression and, and all of the anxiety and all of these things. I was on 20 different medications in within a year. It was taxing and I was like done, but I kind of knew I don't, this bipolar doesn't, I don't fit into this. I feel like they were just putting me into this and a, a lovely uh, psychiatrist, right? But not the right one for me. So all that to say, I love that you have, um, that you have created this community, your community, first of all, your Facebook community is brilliant and um, amazing. And what you provide for your community is just, I mean, it makes me want to cry. Oh, <laughs> well, that's so kind. Thank you. And I think that what you were just describing too, in terms of you kept on, you had this intuition that this mm -hmm. didn't fit. Yeah. Um, and you kept on going like that is really huge to, to lean into and to learn to trust that intuition and keep going. Because yeah. um, I think one of the doctors that we've interviewed, it, it says those who persist generally find it. So yeah. So just listen to that voice and keep on going. So right. to you. thank you. And I think that's brilliant advice too, for us too, especially when we're, you know, I don't know, there's this thing about being responsible for this other human being. And we tend to, I've learned to listen to my own intuition when, when it involves myself, but I tend to doubt sometimes, is this the right thing? Which really brings me back to like, I've got to take really good care of myself so that I can hear that intuition that's telling me, oh, nope, this is, you know, that we're going down the wrong road, which happened to us just, you know, a, a year ago, we were headed down the wrong road. I knew it. And we, just, but it, at the time, the, you know, the, the um, mental health field, I mean, they were over, they still are overloaded. Right. But I knew we were headed down the wrong path. I didn't necessarily know where to go next but I did follow the yellow brick road, right? And just continue to, okay, so, and I think too is the deciding, and, and I'd love for you to speak more into this too, is, is really getting to know your own kiddo, right? And what do they need? What do they need the most? Like, cause if they're not, if, if it's not educational, 
if it's, you know, if it's emotional that they need the most, like kind of being able to be quiet enough so that you can hear your intuition. What does my kid know or what do they need? What do they need right now? What's the most important thing? Can you speak in a little bit into that? Because I think you've, um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think first off is putting on this lens of curiosity and this mm. observer lens, right? And there are these phrases that are often used and very helpful, right? Kids do well if they can, all behavior is communication. Um, and, and that's kind of the starting point. And so there are actually, I'll talk about two different things. One, mm-hmm. um, one of the starting points that I recommend is one thing to think. One thing to think is, is really just what is making this difficult? for this child, right? Right. Like what is making this situation difficult and getting into this position of curiosity. Mm -hmm. And then I think for any um, difficulty, I really do think that there are, I was talking about that model before and that how can we help part of it Mm -hmm. or how how do we can understand they're like, they go together, they match, they're like mirror images, right? Right. Um, So to to observe, to know that for, for ADHD, what we see is the symptoms What's underneath there is the skills and the capabilities that that then present as symptoms. Oh. And then what I, is often driving those things is what's going on inside of the body and the brain and how either the body's biochemistry or the way that the wiring has worked out. Like I've come to view neurodiversity as more of just, I mean, each brain and wiring itself kind of in an, in response to experiences, in response to genetics, in mm. response to like movement and how it's developed. And it all comes out being completely unique, which is why we have these like different bio individual people. Right. It begins to be get almost beautiful. I, yeah. I mean, I think, right. Like it's just kind of, and when you understand that it's this, this, um, I haven't come up with the words well to describe it yet, but, um, there's so many commonalities and yet so many differences at the same time. Yes. And so it's just becomes interesting discovery to figure out each person. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So like one thing that well, I was surprised about, I read in a book, just a one line, but it totally explains people's um, experiences. It, and one of the things that we were talking about before too, where it's like, so often it feels like ADHD stuff is, is a paradox between a, what is challenging mm-hmm. and that, that, that thing that is challenging is often the thing that you'd need to do right. to, to help yourself. So mm-hmm. for example, picky eating so many, oftentimes people will be like, we have to be really particular about a diet perhaps. Um, but the, or, and the brain can literally be wired such that food um, sensitivities are real in the wiring and experience of each person. So that, that, that picky eating isn't necessarily because of the way you've fed your child or like the things that you fed them or the experiences that you've given them, but literally it's wired into this neurodiverse brain. Um, and so then how do you handle that too? So any situation, let's take picky eating. Then I think there's three perspectives to look at it from really then is what is going on in that brain and body wiring, mm-hmm. right? So recognizing that part of it, um, what is the skill involved in that? How can we support growing skills? And then what is the relationship part? So with picky eating, then you can kind of see it within that example, right? Like understanding that that wiring might be different. Okay. This is a sensory experience for this child. Mm-hmm. It's not right. just, you know, behavioral. 
it really is a sensory experience and we can take the child then slowly through through a sequence to help build their sensory capabilities right, um, right. and then a skill of flexibility might be a skill that's involved in that um right uh being able to 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 like flexibility is a big one that comes up with ADHD, right? Mm -hmm. So you see, like, do I have to explain that one or that kind of makes sense, right? How you have to be uh, willing to try different things and, right, and right, right. just experience flexibility. And then of course there's that relationship part because if we're um, adding stress for ourselves and in, so into the relationship or into that mealtime, that, that is going to just make it so much more challenging. But of course there is like, how do you handle all of that and maintain this idea of co-regulation, right? So I'm staying calm. Mm. So I'm modeling calm for my, right. my kiddo so that they can, we can all practice more. I know you talk a lot more about the more you practice, the more it's, it is possible. Mm -hmm. So how can we do all of that? Um, so yeah, in any one situation, three things to think about what's going on in the body and the brain, how can we help support growing skills and build that, that responsive regulated relationship. Yeah, that I love that. That's exactly what I was talking about with the, we have to determine what is it that, you know, because we can't, it, like, as, like we talked about earlier, it would be great if we just have like the magic pill that was just going to fix everything. And I also love Veronica, the way that you explained the brilliant, unique self right with the experiences and the genetics and the um and the 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 wiring and that like the whole picture and it's like you know the like the um they they uh you've seen the picture of the of like the adhd here's what you see is the iceberg right here's yeah. what you see and it's just at the top and then there all this other stuff right all this other stuff at the bottom and we kind of have to like you said, we have to tease that out, tease it out. What is and help and and hopefully bring some of that stuff up to the surface. And I love how you used um, with the picky eating that for and my kid, my, my son is one of those like everything. He's it's a sensory thing. Eating is eating is um, eating, eating is a sensory experience for him. Right. And there are cer certain things like he you you couldn't mix things for him. And it wasn't that he was trying to be difficult. It wasn't a behavioral thing, which, you know, um, in my parents' generation, it would be you have to eat every single thing on your plate, right? But not realizing that I could be sending this kid into sensory overload right now or into like emotional dysregulation because they're trying to. Yeah. So it's a really interesting when we're. It, it's the, and it's kind of like a dance, right? It's kind of like a, okay, like, where am I? Am I, am I pushing? Am I in the right direction? I mean, and then when you have ADHD yourself, <laughs> it's um, trying to keep track of all of it um, and, and um, regulate your own emotions so that you can be clear and, and so that you're not sharing that stuff. Cause then that, like all those three things, the what's going on in the wiring, what is the skill and what is the relationship? All of those three, if, the, if we're, if we're off in any one of those areas, it like we're off. Right. And then we can't really come up with a solution. We can't solve the problem. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's brilliant. Okay. So, so, um, so supporting the brain, the brain and the body, like what, 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 what does that look like for you? What, what, what would you suggest? Um, I think that that's a really important starting point often. Mm -hmm. And so 
you brought up medication and we brought up the occupational therapy. Those are, um, and I, the Walsh protocol, like those are all examples of what I'm talking about as far as supporting the body. When you understand Got what's it. going on for um, that particular, whether it's sensory processing or whatnot, there is a sequence to development. And when you can follow that sequence as much as possible, then I think um, one mistake that is often made is starting at the end and the very top of that development is is education and school mm. school and academic skills. Right. And so often that's the thing that raises the alarm potentially mm -hmm. um, is our ability to perform in those types of environments right. or a kid's ability to do so. And so then we try to provide supports at that level. And it's like, well, really, if we can go down lower at, at the building blocks, mm, then, the then that makes right. the upstream more, mm -hmm. um, you know, fall into place on its own or maybe you support those skills later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I just, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I just, um, I just this morning saw a post, uh, an Instagram post, excuse me, <clears throat> um, about, uh, it was from conscious, um, conscious dis discipline, which is something that we used to, um, we used to use in, um, when I was teaching preschool about that, what we need more than the kids knowing ABCs and 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 um, being able to count to ten is we need them to have skills like basic skills, you know, like basic, very basic. And I think this is what you're talking about. Like we don't start here. We don't start with the with the um, with the ed educational because if they if they can't if they're if they're overloaded if they're if they're um, if they're overloaded or they're emotionally unregulated dysregulated they can't do what we're asking them to do up here. They just can't physically, mentally, emotionally do it. Yeah. Right. So, and yeah. it's interesting because we want to, you know, with ADHD and I think, I think back in when I was in school, when I was, um, when I was getting my edu education degree, um, we, um, it was all, it, we talked a little, you know, we did, we did some special education, but it seemed to all be around behavior. And the behavior, and I can't remember, I think it was Dr. Amen, Dr. Daniel Amen, and he um he he talks about how when we with with ADHD, if we go straight to behavior, we're we're damaging that child, right? If we're going and but that's kind of that's what we see first, like you said. That's usually the, the, the red flag. And then yeah. we want to go, oh, we need to fix that. It's kind of what I did with my son too. I noticed this, this, um, this uh, something was really off. We need to go and fix this behavior thing, but it wasn't behavior. My God, it was so much deeper than that. And it's yeah, absolutely. I think that's why I was brought to tears. I was driving to occupational therapy once and I had on audio book, Monadella audio to listen to Monadella mm. Hook's book, Beyond Behaviors. Oh, and yeah. just listening to the introduction of her book, uh, because mm -hmm. a lot of it was about how often for what do you do with kids who can't do the sticker charts? Right. Right. right? because there is so much more to that. And, and I started crying because it's like, yeah, sticker chart. I feel like so often I get a sticker chart answer and it right. failed me. Right. It didn't work. And so having that deeper place to go to really support from a deep level just made all the difference. So, yeah. So in your, your, you are kind of providing that for, um, for parents right now with what you're doing with your community is the, that you can start somewhere. We have to start somewhere, right? But mm -hmm. let's start at the base. Let's start at 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 
at the research and the understanding of your, you know, and, and, and we need to, we can need to kind of pinpoint what, what symptom are we focusing on right now? You know, cause we can, there can be lots and lots of different symptoms, but often if we, if we're, if we target, if we target the right symptom, mm -hmm. then that could help with other symptoms too. Mm -hmm. Sounds like that's what happened with your with the Walsh um, with the Walsh protocol. Is that you? That was the same thing I, um, with my son when he we did the um, the brushing. It was amazing. I could see it. You know, two weeks. Mm -hmm. We it was like six weeks. I think we did the protocol for six weeks, but six weeks of doing this thing. And I was nursing a six, a six week old baby too, so I was doing this thing. <laughs> you know, as we do. Right. <laughs> yes, we do because we feel driven to do so. I feel like yes, that actually, yeah. I, you know, now that I think of that, did, did I really, at that point, really need to be nursing? And yeah, darn it, that was that was what I was doing. <laughs> but yeah, really, absolutely. I kind of had to too. She was she was as I do was dealing with my with my um, toddler. I had her on my back or on my front. Like that's just what we did. That was us, you know? So, mm -hmm. okay. So we talked about supporting the brain body as kind of the, um, the foundation and following the sequence of development. Mm -hmm. And what about skills and what, what are, what do you mean when you talk about skills and how do we, how do we help our children develop them or even find the skills that were, that they need? Yeah. So one of the things that was another kind of eye-opening experience where I felt like just made life easier was actually taking the time to understand what are the executive functions for yes, right for ADHD. Like, what does mm -hmm. that mean? So you hear yeah. that term often. Um, so executive functions, I like my favorite is because um, you can, they're, they're described differently in so mm -hmm. many different places. <laughs> Have you noticed that too? Right? I have. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, I was doing a, I was doing a, um, a, a blog post. I'm like, wait a minute. There's, they're different. They're a little bit different. Yes. Um, and there's a really interesting article with, um, by, how can I ask, Russell Barkley, mm -hmm. where he says uh, uh, executive functions and self-regulation, it's really all rooted in the same idea of mm. you, your ability to have a mind's eye, essentially, or self-talk. Um, and that, that is kind of the root of, of, of those skills. Does that make right. sense? Right. But yeah. still, I find that I'm trying to find, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to look it up. The okay. Emily Kircher Morris, she has mm -hmm. a book teaching twice exceptional learners. So that's the other thing to recognize is very often, um, you know, twice exceptional might go along with ADHD or right. there's some overlap there. Um, in terms of if you get a, a, a neuropsych evaluation, you might find areas that the kiddo excels in really, really well. Right. Um, and, and then, but the executive function challenges are higher. So one is she divides it into two groups. I didn't find it yet because I was going to just read the list, but mm -hmm. okay. she divides it into two groups of behavioral executive functions and decision-making executive mm -hmm. functions. Mm -hmm. And so having a name to go with the skill can be really helpful. So that idea oh. of flexibility, right? Planning, prioritizing, um, self-monitoring skills, or so this is self-monitoring strategies from her book that I'll read. Cause again, it just helps with the name, but shifting focus, task initiation, cognitive or thought flexibility, um, 
task persistence. So like being mm. able to say that homework is difficult for my child because they have a difficulty with task persistence. Like, That's super helpful. Yeah. I see I, what you mean. You agree? Right. Yeah, definitely. Right. Or they have a difficult with difficulty with flexibility or transitions. So mm -hmm. what is hard is that they're having a difficult time stopping that thing that they're currently doing right. so that they can shift their focus, right? Shifting focus as a skill mm -hmm. um, and then have task persistence to complete the entire homework assignment. Right. So just seeing all of those different skills, I feel like it takes the unknown out, right? Yeah, right. And it gives us a place then to be give grace where their the ability currently might not meet the expectation and so how can we get those two to line up more mm. i love that it? too like i'm yeah. I, as i'm um as i'm listening to you this would be a great book to have when you before your um iep meeting or your 504 to, to have very specific because i'm what my we don't have an IEP, we have a 504, but I'd never done that before, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to, what, I didn't even know what to ask or what, you know, I can just kind of let them, let, let the, uh, the school guide it. But this gives it, this helps you with naming exactly, you know, and do in kind of like a, like a, um, smart goals, right? This mm -hmm. is, this is the goal. Yeah. And this is what we need to do to get it. I mean, that's, I mean, and yeah. that really helps my ADHD mind that I don't have to say. This is, sorry, <laughs> I'm trying that's to show okay. you. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. Teaching, teaching twice it's called Teaching Twice Exceptional Learners in today's classroom. And the great thing about that particular book too, because you're talking about accommodations or IEPs, mm -hmm. is it goes through and it lists accommodations and modifications. Mm. It gives specific examples. It really right. adds a lot of clarity around that idea so yeah right. i love that i will definitely pick that one up and and twice exceptional is a whole other conversation right it's a whole other it's a whole other um episode about because i almost think now my kids are not twice exceptional but i almost think that that would be even more difficult to get them the support that they need because they're so bright. Of course, how could they possibly have ADHD or how could they be possibly have neurodiversity because they're so smart and that they can do these things, right? Um, yes. But it's yes, the invisible. Or, yeah. or you end up with kids that are very bright in ways, but they're not academic ways. So mm. their academic performance doesn't show up, but maybe their ability to, to think it advanced types of thoughts, like is really there. So right. then you get kids with high anxiety. Right. And so what shows up is the level of anxiety because that's their experience in the world is they understand that they aren't getting it as so easily as other kids. And it's a really frustrating experience for them to be in. Right. So it increases anxiety. But they understand it in a, in a, on a different level. Right. Okay. Maybe probably even a deeper level than we could even possibly understand. <laughs> well, this is, well, one of, one of my daughters is, is that's her profile. That's why mm -hmm. I guess I'm saying it is she's um, like her logical reasoning, I think is, is very good. So she has these big thoughts about like life in general. And am I going to be existential type of thoughts. Right. right? That's my son. That's but the at the same time, then her, her learning experience in school is under grade level. Mm. So it's a paradox that makes it difficult for her. Right. Oh, the ADHD paradox. 
<laughs> all different ways, all different ways to experience the paradox. Okay. So that's the skills. Speaking a little bit into the relationship portion of that, because, and that's of course where I, that's where I shine. That's kind of my, um, my, uh, my, that's my jam, but tell, tell from your perspective and from the way that you, that you approach it, what does that mean? Um, so much to say there. And I'm so glad that's your jam because it's so important. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I'll start with a little example, I guess, is that the relationship with my son was in the pits, quite honestly, Mm -hmm. because um, we were really at odds. And I think when he was five or six, he slammed the door in my face and he said, I don't want to be near you anymore, Mm. which is like a heartbreaking moment. But I, at the same time, I totally understood why he said that. Right. So our relationship was terrible. And of course, uh, when I had had babies, I was like on the beach, pregnant, reading all the parenting books, trying to be the best mom that I could be. And like, that was what I wanted. And that wasn't my experience by the time age five, which was heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. So um, there was a shifting point, I think. And it was when I, he, he had been frayed at nighttime he would, he would wake up at night. He would say, I see things moving in the shadows. He's like, look at that. There's this, there's this thing over there. And he would be afraid. And so he'd try to come to our bed and try to sleep with us. And I would try to have, I'd have all these thoughts about children should do this or that or something else. Right. And so it had to look this certain way. And so I was trying to achieve that thing of whatever Mm -hmm. way I made it think I needed to be in my head. Um, But then around seven or eight years old, I think I said, you know what? I think you just need this now. And I let him come and sleep with me, but it was what he needed. And I was listening to him. Mm, And so it didn't last that long. And definitely other people would have said, you should not have an eight-year-old sleeping in the bed with you. Um, But the thing was, the difference maker was I was looking, I was responding to what he needed, right? Right. So it's that responsive relationship that, Mm -hmm. that I think is really important is just seeing, hearing, acknowledging, responding to them. And it didn't, it didn't last that long. But yeah. our that was the turning point in our relationship between right. he and I, um, and really important. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, um, yeah, I found out later that Harvard, um, Harvard has this three three principles to improve. Harvard Center on the Developing Child has three principles to improve outcomes for children. Mm-hmm. They happen to be reducing stress, which mm-hmm. is where I often go with um, the supporting the body and the brain because a lot of the stress is really bio biochemical in nature, like, and, and neurological, we can, it can get stored in our bodies in a lot of ways. Right. Um, grow, growing skills mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> and, and responsive relationships. And mm-hmm. so then they give video examples on there of what responsive relationships look like, which is, mm-hmm. they also call it like serve and return um, type of parenting where the mm-hmm. child does something and we, res- we see it and we respond to what they're saying. So um it was nice just to see that idea come that kind up of as, validity, right? Like, yes, oh, validity. this is what I've this is what I've noticed, right? And how important that is. I think too, you know, all the shoulds because I it, right from the start, I knew that something was different with my baby, with my with my baby, with my toddler, with my you know young child, you know, all the way all the way through. Um, and there is that, you know, there's kind of a, a grieving period. Well, at first it was more like, uh, you know, like where, where my expectations of what 
I thought motherhood was supposed to be. And, you know, none of the books, the books were not the books that I read, the parenting books, all of the sleep books that like they were not, they were not for my kid, you know, and I got so much unwanted advice about the sleeping thing, about the, you know, about the, the, um, coddling. And here's mm -hmm. the thing. I was listening. I wasn't coddling. I was when my, when my kid needed me, I was there to help support him. I, you know, you, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like I wasn't, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, and then you feel defensive. And then when you have ADHD and you in yourself and you have those, you know, that, um, those thoughts of, you know, doubting yourself or that, um, that, uh, the um rejection sensitivity and like all the things and oh am i doing this wrong mm -hmm. but then continuing to go back to yourself and you know but what's right for my kid and you can't really unless you have that relationship unless you're willing to to um to know that kid inside and out right the the above the iceberg and the below the iceberg um unless you're able to really connect with that kid or or attempt to understand them then we can't we can't do right by them you know and these kids they're not like the other kids you know and and it took me a long time to be okay with that i am okay it, it took me years actually to be okay with my baby is not going to be not ever going to be like we're not going to go to target where we can't go to the birthday parties or if we go to a birthday party we have to have an out right mm -hmm. my kids at this point kind of know themselves well enough to remove themselves like they they're they they um they've they've they have their own coping skills right and they've learned mm -hmm. you know plus what we've you know in all of the therapies and all of the things that um that uh that we've been able to share with them but they learn their own, their own stuff in their own way. And it's a kind of a beautiful. So how, how old's your oldest? 10. 10. Now. Okay. So mine is going to be 15. It's been um, a beautiful thing to watch him develop, right? And to watch him use the skills that he learned in the OT in the beginning, you know, and mm -hmm. kind of, and not necessarily that he was using those, um, exactly what they taught him but they were teaching him to listen to his body you know to right. listen to what do you need you know so and i watch my kids kind of in social situations they kind of they kind of flow in flow out and flow in like they they take care of themselves what a beautiful thing and so again what you are have are providing veronica for um for your community so that these parents can help their kids learn at a young age, not learn when they're in their, you know, when they're, when they're adults that they have ADHD and now what, now what do I do? Right. But to learn at, to help these kids learn at a young age, how to, how to take care of themselves and, and, you know, be in social situations if they have to, and, and, um, and advocate to all the things. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, absolutely. But you were just describing, I think, um, again several keys and one of them is your awareness of yourself mm, yeah. and i really think that it's it kind of that's a big starting point also i mean for, yeah. there, there's the two parts there's what's going on for your for your kiddo and then there's the part for the journey that you take along that process too God and, and what yes. you were you were just describing as far as um 
moving into that space of awareness. Like it all starts with observation and awareness, right? Yeah. So being willing to go there in terms of, and then get yourself what you needed. But I, yeah. at one point in time, you were talking about the book and the book that what that had all the things to do and unsolicited advice. And, mm-hmm. and, and I was giggled a little bit just because that was my same thing, especially with the sleep book. It's like all the way this, the sleep should be. And then there right. was one line in the entire book that said, but some children don't do this. Oh, like, one line, right? You're like, hey, that's one line. I was like, I just read this thing three <laughs> times and I'm trying to do all that you should in the sleep baby book. <laughs> and none of it worked. And until I found this one line, I'm like, okay, I give it like, good. That was permission to just okay. throw it out the window. Wouldn't that have been nice <laughs> if they said that first or even on the jacket, right? That would have been really helpful. <laughs> exactly. Right. Not buried somewhere right in the middle. Right. Yeah. So, so many, most of the parenting books were just, they were not, they were not written for my kid, you know? And so that's, I've just, a lot has been written since then, which is lovely. And um, what's her name again? Mona. Mona Delahook. Yeah. What a beautiful, I I haven't, I have it and I, but I haven't, I haven't completely um, dived into it yet, Mm -hmm. but um, what a beautiful, oh my gosh. And again, we can, we can teach our kids and help our kids to find their own way so that then we're, when they, they don't have to spend their whole entire adulthood feeling like something's wrong with them or, or finding their way as an adult, that they can learn these things all along and learning that, that brain body connection mm-hmm. um, as a kid. That's brilliant. I mean, imagine, imagine what life is going to be like for our kiddos, right? For our kids, we're, you know, it's kind of, I feel like we're, we're in a, um, we're, we're evolving, right? So our kids are more understanding of themselves and, and, and helping them to, um, to become self-aware so that they can make these decisions for themselves and like going into school and, and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. And, and going through that same process of uh, understanding self-regulation. So Mona Della Hook says one of the, for ADHD, she views it as a central difficulty with um, self-regulation skills mm-hmm. and self-regulation skills are built through co-regulation. So that's Ooh, where the co-regulation right. part comes in. And what that means, I think, is that we as the adults need to go through that exact same learning that mm-hmm. we were at I don't know about you, but I'm assuming many people like me too were not taught that specific right. skill set as children. But it it really makes a huge difference to be able to recognize when you're in a fight, flight, freeze, fawn, mm-hmm. stress response, and to be able to see what that looks like in your in your children, right. and then to know what are the responses that work well for each individual person in that stress situation? Because it's different for everybody, but to go through that process of self-understanding and for yourself, like that's a big key to the adulting parenting journey as well too. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's what I, I mean, that's, that's what I teach, you know, that we can't, I know. I mean, because we, we can't, we can't help our children. If we cannot make decisions in that fight or flight state, we cannot, that is not the place when we get the diagnosis and we're freaking out, like, oh my gosh, remember that the first, when I got the, um, with the, when the OT did the evaluation and I got 12 pages, this was my brain, right? 12 pages of all the things that are wrong with my kid, right? That was how it felt. 
Like, mm -hmm. I mean, that was, that, that was, that was freeze for a good long time. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it was like, okay, now what do we do? Um, but when we are able to calm ourselves and I, you know, I like to, when we have that energy, that, that frantic energy, turn it back into ourselves and okay, what, do, what do I need to do? And what do I need to do so that I can help my child? Cause what we, you know, what the, the emotional state that we're in is what we're creating in our households. Right. And, yeah. and, and I don't know about you. And I, 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 I think that this is. I think that this is, I don't know if it's a fact, but it seems to me that people who are neurodiverse tend to be a little more on the sensitive side, a little more highly sensitive and definitely more sensitive to, you know, to sensory input as well as, um, as uh, vibration of um, emotions, you know, mm -hmm. so we have to be extra careful about what we're bringing in. Yep. There's that paradox again, right? It is. I know. It's like, oh, I need to, I need to help my child with that. But wait a minute, I'm flying it's high harder, here. Right? Ah, it's harder. It's harder, but incredibly important. And like you said earlier, yeah, I'm always, I'm all about practice. Like the more that we practice and then we, the more that our kids see us practice. I, um, this is just kind of a little side note, but, um, uh, I have been doing yoga for 30 years at this point. Right. So I've been doing meditation, mindfulness, all of that. And up until um, up until the pandemic and virtual sixth grade um, was, uh, you know, I was I had a meditation practice where I would um, I would sit and not for long, you know, sometimes five, 10 minutes, set a timer and I would just, you know, do my practice, the practice of bringing my mind mind back to the to the present moment. Well, once we were all home and um, and yeah. I, I knowing all of the work that I do and all of my experience still when the pandemic hit, um, I was a basket case, right? It sent my ADHD into overdrive. And I learned that tools are really helpful for me to, to regulate, right? So I got this, um, this app called Flowly and it's a biofeedback app for your phone. And so it measures, um, so it has like a guide for your breath and it tells you, it gives you feedback about your heart rate, about your breathing. Um, and it's really great, I think for ADHD, for me especially, I'm like, okay. Oh, and it tracks like how many days you've been doing it. So it's kind of like that little dope. Oh, look, I've been doing it for this many days. And, and then, oh, look at my progress. It's, it's really kind of silly, but it's been helping me to bring myself back down so that I can help my kids bring themselves back down. But it's a practice. It's something that I do every day. And I bring that in because I really, at this point, I really, I really needed some kind of physical <laughs> something, you know, the meditation mm -hmm. is great. I can still do it every once in a while, but, but daily for me, it's that, um, that, uh, the Flowly app, it's really simple and, um, but that's how I'm able to relate with my kids. You know, that's how I'm able to, um, to be able to, um, hear my kids and observe and, and have that relationship and actually listen without, without feeling, you know, it's all practice. It's a practice. And the more that you're practicing breathing, mindfulness, um, whatever it might be, journaling, um, gratitude, whatever, whatever it is, the more that you practice, it's the easier it is to bring it in when you really need it. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For instance, That's the whole neuroplasticity part. Like literally every time you practice, you're, you're strengthening those neuron connections. Yeah. Yeah. 
And a few things about what you were saying. I wonder if that's you building that mind's eye, right? Mm -hmm. You have this like external prompt that's helping to reinforce your, your mind's eye, so to speak. Um, and that all of those things I once looked up, you know, Russell Barkley in his book, taking charge with ADHD says, mm -hmm. these are the parts of the brain that are structurally tend to be different with ADHD brains. Right. But the interesting part is that many of the most effective supports or treatments, as you might say, mm -hmm. um, for ADHD help strengthen those regions of the brain. So like mm. mindfulness meditation, for example, literally does change the brain, the brain structure in those areas of the brain too. So, and same with biofeedback, like it, it helps too. So. Yeah. 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 This is like all in one. I love it. It's really, but thank you for bringing that in because that is, that is, it's the neuro, neuro that's the cool thing about the brain, right? Is that we can retrain it. Yes. Now it takes practice. It takes practice but it is possible like we can bring the brain back we can bring the we could bring the focus back we can do it it just takes practice and yeah. it's not we can't expect to um sit down and or with our kids and tell our kids you know start breathing you know <laughs> no what <laughs> every every time i think about this topic i think i literally picture in my head a grassy field and that there's one path that i don't want to travel anymore and then one path that I want to build. And as I'm, Ooh. as I'm taking that other, the path that I want, the more and more I do it, the more that gets literally worn into the grass and you can see it, you know, whereas the other one starts to, to overgrow. Like that's the mental imagery that I bring to mind each time. I am going to bring that to mind too, Veronica. Cause that's, I love, I love, a I love, a I love a visual to help me see. Um, yeah, that's, Brilliant. Beautiful. Veronica, this has been an amazing conversation and I feel like we probably need to have you come back <laughs> at some point and we'll, we, we could just talk for hours. Um, so can you, first of all, can you, can you share with our listeners one thing that's one simple thing that they could do today um, or one simple thing that they could start with right now? Absolutely. And so the, the one thing to think I mentioned before, right, is mm -hmm. is what is making this difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing to do or one thing to say rather mm -hmm. than is, is to praise progress. Praise um, progress. And I think the key is then for yourself, for your kid, and the key is to connect it with the thing, something that motivates you or feels good or gives you that dopamine mm -hmm. uh, burst or the same for the kiddo, right? right. Like one praise wherever they are right now, even if it's not where your expectation is, but what right. is one part or one step of that, that they are doing really well. And then that will start a positive cycle. And then as you praise the progress along the way, um, that keeps it going. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that too. Cause we, we have to, right. For one thing, we need the dop dopamine hit um, and our kiddos need that dopamine hit and the the sometimes the um the the goal <laughs> seems so far off you know and it's 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 uh it's easy to get kind of lost in there i love that praise the pro praise the progress that's beautiful mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and can you tell us about a time in motherhood when you either overcame something or you achieved something that initially just felt impossible i honestly think that the biggest thing that has felt impossible for me was any all the times 
when we were either at the dinner table or driving to or from school. And I have four kids in four years, actually. So there's two 10 year olds, an eight year old and a six year old. Um, and if, if you could imagine that all of, all of us need a little bit of help in the social, like emotional regulation skills yeah. and the, the, so like when you have kids that also need training in social skills, like we were talking about social skills or skills, one of the things for skills is that social skills can have a particular sequence of, of teaching that mm. really helps people to build their social skills and just knowing that. Um, so I've kind of recognized that this is a, the picture of my family is we all kind of need a bit of help with that. So right. it's really hard. And the point is it felt so negative. Mm, everything right. felt critical. Everything that children are fighting that mm. you put four cookies in a plastic bag and for each kid for a snack. And when you pick them up from school and they argue that one has more over the other and they hit each other as they get into the car and climb over each other. And like, and you're like hanging your head, like, Oh my gosh, like the teacher, the principal just saw this. <laughs> They get as soon as they enter my car. I can't believe it. So just feeling like that was an insurmountable task Mm and getting to the point where I can, when I pick up my kids from school, they can most of the time (laughs) get into the car peacefully, Right. you know, and that a lot of the time that atmosphere has changed and I can see it continuing to change. It's certainly Mm. like not perfect and not there yet, but just feeling that there's hope. Mm-hmm. that we're on that progress journey, you know, and that as they, as we all continue to grow, we will, we will get there. Um, that shifting what felt like a boulder that was completely immovable mm-hmm. and, and getting it um, moved. Yeah. Yeah. I love <laughs> that. Huge. I love that story. And that goes right down to praise the pro- progress, right. And not just for your children, but for yourself. Right. And right. the noticing that noticing that, that bringing your, bringing our awareness back to, um, oh, this is a little different. It feels a little different. Hey, it feels a little different. Hey, even if it's just minuscule, but that's what keeps us going. Otherwise, yes. I mean, we'd be a mess. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. Yeah. And now my kids say that back to me. They'll be like, mom, but look, we're doing like, we did this well, or like, this is oh, better. And I'm like, oh, thank you for those times when I am like, my inner critic is really strong. And then the kids can even speak up and say like, look, we're praising the progress. Yeah. So, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. See, <laughs> they're always watching. They're always watching. So That's tell true. us, tell, tell our listeners how they can find you. Sure. Um, you can go to whatnowadhd.com. Um, and on there, you can uh, find that a little bit more about those three keys that I that I had mentioned. So, mm-hmm. yeah, perfect. All right, brilliant. Thank you so much again. It was really, it's been lovely to meet you. I feel like I know you because I've been watching your videos and and um, and listening to you. But it's really lovely to have you and to share um, your journey and the beautiful work that you're doing in the world. Thank you. Thank you. And you too. And there can be such a sense of camaraderie when you have all these shared experiences, right? Yes, exactly. Not all those parenting books that. Yes, that's what we need to do. Finding. Well, and that's what you've provided, right? You've provided a community where, um, where other parents can feel kind of a sense of relief. Like, oh, it's not just me. (laughs) It tends to be very lonely in this place if we let it, right? Right. And you too. So thank you. Thank you for your work and that really important part. Yeah. Supporting relationships. All right. Goodbye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast. To get started on your Vision Driven Mom journey, go to visiondrivenmomwalk.com to download the Vision Walk audio guide. 
join the collective of moms with ADHD moving their bodies and their lives forward and leaving overwhelm behind. Anything is possible, even for the mom with ADHD. Goodbye for now.